0: It's not last, it's not surpassed, it used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast, not outclassed, once en masse, get it on my to the end of the game. The Buff Podcast. Hello
1: and welcome to The Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. It's deadline day. Over the next hour, we'll be discussing all the transfer gossip, trying to predict what might happen before the window slams shut at 11pm. And maybe, just maybe, we'll delve into why Miguel Veloso never wore a Bolt Wanderers shirt. Of course, we'll be with you all day on the infamous Transfer Deadline Day blog. You know the score by now. It's 7am to late. Whenever, whenever Bolt Wanderers tell me I can go home, it'll be tweets, it'll be questions mild panic and probably um, a few custard creams thrown in there as well um, if you've got a question throughout the day or crucially if you've spotted Adam LaFondre eating a fillet of fish at Middlebrook McDonald's then you know get in touch, it's at Mark Isles on Twitter of course or it's this email address So you want to bring something up on the buff email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com that's T H E B U F F M A I L, all one word at gmail.com. And sorry to the mail escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right now to introduce my co host on this very special edition of The Buff, uh, the Hayley McQueen to my my Wedderburn. It's Senor Henry Hewitt, all the way
2: from Spain. Henry, how are you doing? Hola, hola, Mark, uh, Me gusta. That's, yeah. And adiós. They're the only words. Oh, Cervé. Uh, as well. 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 Yeah. Cervéfor. That that, yeah. Rose- that Rosetta Stone course you took is really, uh, really starting to blossom. <laughs> that all that money was well worth it, mate. It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've learned beer and I've learned hello and goodbye. So that's all that I need to learn. What but, uh, more do I- you need? Exactly, yeah. And, um, you know, what better place for me to dial in for the uh, transfer deadline day? I've been doing some scouting. You know, Malaga and I'm in and around Malaga, they're not doing very well in La Liga 2 or La Liga B. So, uh, yeah, I, I, there's no players from there. But I'm still looking. I'm, I'm looking on the beach see if there's any uncut gems that are. Uh, playing beach football, <laughs> uh, but I'll keep I'll uh, I'll keep you updated. Who was actually. that? Who was that
1: player that United spotted at the Homeless World Cup? Was it Bebe? Bebe, uh, yeah. Oh my word, yeah. See if you can find. I don't want a Bebe. I don't want any Bebe's. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what the Spanish word for uh, bargain is. I think it's something like negocior or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, find, find some negociors on the beach. Either way, Ian Ever is mm. going to be shopping today as we talk. When well, we're talking right now on Wednesday morning, so. On the off chance that Ian Everett has already bought a couple of players and has then turned around and said, listen, we're not doing anything on deadline day, I apologise for this podcast. But as we sit here, right here, right now, we're expecting a bit of business. And, well, I mean, it wouldn't be Bolt Mondras without a bit of business on transfer deadline day, was it? I mean, there, isn't a, there isn't a more Hollywood club, I don't think. In the outside the Premier League, I mean, let's let's give some of the top uh, top clubs their due. But outside the Premier League, I reckon Bolton Wanderers have got deadline day to a tee.
2: Yeah, we have. We've uh, we've had some rumours. We've had, and every year it comes up. I wonder if that Miguel Veloso deal will happen or the Chelsea <laughs> loan. Will we finally get that? But. um yeah, you're right. I think since uh, Sharon Britain's come in and we, we, apart from that first deadline day, which was, that was blockbuster. Phenomenal, yeah. But since then, uh, since we've got our act together, it has been a bit more quieter on deadline day. But still, we we still managed to get a few, one or two come in. It's always, it's about, the. it's, it's almost like you're playing a game.
1: Because if, if you go through the summer and do all your business early and you get... Four or five good signings, as, as Bolton did. And I think a couple of weeks ago, we were all thinking, yeah, that's quite a nice balanced squad. Don't really know where you'd add to that. A couple of bad results. And obviously, you know, there's questions asked about a few things, which we'll get onto. But I think if you do your business early and then you don't do anything on deadline day when everybody else is doing late deals, I think fans are li- a little bit disappointed. And if you end up empty handed on that day, you can do yourself some damage.
2: Yeah, it is funny, isn't it? A, a prepared club. Um, some fan bases um, and, you know, get w- more worried with a prepared club than we do with a club that has a scattergun approach on deadline day <laughs> brings in, like, six players uh, like we used to do. But, um, but no, you're right. So, I think, hopefully, today, as you said, we're speaking the day before, um, you know, on the Wednesday, but hopefully, deadline day, we can get a few in because it is exciting and I agree with you. I don't really... I don't think we necessarily need to improve in any positions, but still, you know, just to keep us all entertained, it's it's good that we're doing that.
1: Well, let's move on to the one that I am one hundred percent confident is correct, and we we've even managed to speak to uh, to Ian Ever briefly on it as well. Owen Beck from Liverpool, um, a left back. Now, of all the of all the positions, <laughs> I would have said that the left hand side was quite quite well wrapped up. Uh, with Jack Iredale and Declan John. Nevertheless, this lad um, is, is
2: well, basically a left-sided Conor Bradley. Um, exciting? Well, if he plays anything like Conor Bradley, then yeah, he should be. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I think it's... I don't know. I think he's a bit harsh on Iredale, to be honest. And, and I thought Declan John did well against Aston Villa, so mm. I don't think they're out of form, necessarily. So, uh, and I, I do... I, I know you said it yesterday last night against Crew, you was impressed by Idale, so was mm. I, and I, I have been quite impressed with him so far this season, so uh, maybe he is a bit harsh, but um you know, maybe the club also are just at the moment trying to do anything to please uh, you know, the likes of Man City and Liverpool. Um so if they've offered this player, they are gonna say yeah.
1: Well, I mean the situation is is such that he... he... Got a loan move over to Portugal um, for Malichau, I think is the the, the club that he joined. He hasn't played for them yet, so obviously Liverpool will be looking at that and thinking, yeah, you know, that's not gone according to plan. Now, obviously, Bolton have struck up this relationship with Liverpool, which seems very healthy to me. The fact that you know the Liverpool's academy consistently produces very, very good players that even if they don't make a Premier League level tend to have good footballing careers. And we've seen a few Mm -hmm. of them already with with Bradley and Johnston and and the like. Um, But this young lad, Wales under 21 international, he does look like an out and out left back. Um, uh, Maybe it gives Ian Everett a little bit more of an opportunity to use Jack Iredale as a left sided centre half because the one position that really at the moment doesn't look like it has a, a proper backup is, is George Johnson. Johnson seems to play come rain, wind or shine. And maybe that just gives Ian Everett the option of still having his two wing backs, but actually being able to rotate Johnston as well.
2: Yeah, um, there's always that. I know he's said already that he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to rotate. He wants players to, you know, players aren't going to be playing. The, well, i think. Barring Trafford, I think the majority of the squad are going to be playing less minutes than they have done for a lot of the previous yeah. seasons. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all part of its rotation. And uh, I don't know. Maybe the last two games, you look at Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday, and, uh, and elements of the Villa game. Maybe he's uh, the, he's changed his mind a bit on the defence, and he wants extra extra options for uh, for different styles of play.
1: Well, that's that's the interesting thing to me is that. I would have said a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I think Ian Everett said a, a, a good few weeks ago now that he didn't want any more strikers. He felt that bringing in another striker might just upset the balance and that it would be difficult to keep everybody happy. But we now get ourselves a six weeks down the line from when he said that. A couple of you know fairly average uh, results, Plymouth. uh, You know, Sunderland. uh, uh, Sorry, Sunderland. (laughs) Aston Villa. A a couple of games where, um, and Sheffield Wednesday. A couple of games where the the attackers has has created lots of chances, but they failed to take the chances. All of a sudden, we're thinking, um, maybe they do need a striker. Do do you you feel that? Do you do you still think? Do you have faith
2: in what he's got, or do you think another striker couldn't do any harm? Um, I do have faith in what he's got, and I think that. I mean, players don't turn. Bad overnight. I just think we've had, uh, you know, and and each one of after Bakioko scored yesterday, each one of them has scored now this mm-hmm. season in the first month. Um, and Dion looks sharp again. So not necessarily, but again, it depends who it is. You know, I know there's uh, rumours of of players coming in from the championship who have, have scored goals. and notice. So, I don't know where the, the, the Vidra being at the hotel came from, but that was <laughs> one earlier in the week. Uh, and then macaulay Bon as well. They have scored goals at, at the Championship level. So, if we can get someone like that, then you, you are probably going to take them. But then you do wonder, well, who are they going to come in for? Because Charles isn't going to be moved. Depo, I, I, for his high standards, I don't think has started the season as good, but he's still going to be in there. Um, but Barson and Bakayoko... Uh, are different styles to Barnard, Vidra, or whoever. So then you're wondering, well, is he trying to edge Kachunga out? You don't know.
1: No, I mean McCauley. Bomb was another one that's from QPR that's that's cropped up. He's obviously got form in this division. Scored goals at Ipswich last season. I think he's a good player. I think he'd be an excellent addition. We did actually put that to him ever when we spoke to him after the Crew game on Tuesday night, and and he uh, he was quite. Quite upfront about the um, Owen Beck stuff, but I think he said, "Listen, I don't want to talk about uh, players at other clubs um, when it came to QPRs." Uh, <laughs> I like but, that.
2: I'll, I'll yeah. talk about players from some clubs,
1: but not <laughs> others. So, yeah, I mean, read from that what you will. I mean, you know, my gut feeling is that it would be, it would be a very bold move if he brought in another striker. Um that's not, that's not to say I won't be shocked at some stage. It's, it wouldn't be the first time. But I do, uh, you know, as you say, I think there are so many options and I think it would be difficult to turn around to, to a Kachunga or to Bob Varson, who's already injured and, and say, listen, you're going to have to get a thinner slice of the pie this season. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're in the last year of their contracts. And I don't think, certainly with Varsen, I don't think he's done a, a sight wrong. You know, I think he's he's obviously struggled to find his top fitness. But I think when he's been in the team, he's looked excellent. And, he you know, he would be a first-choice striker for me were he 100% fit. So, um, yeah, I think it would be a, a surprise, personally, if he did bring one in. Maybe... Bringing another one in maybe gives him scope to use Dapo elsewhere or, or maybe revert to to a, you know a, a, a position that he's more comfortable in. We, you know, there, there are questions about him as a ten. I like him as a striker, but his form hasn't been brilliant this season. That's fair to say. So maybe it's just about having. I mean, of course it is. It's just all about having options.
2: Yeah, um, and you you know you would rather have more players than less players. You know you'd rather have too many players than not enough. So, I guess so personally. And again, could the timing of this going out might bite me on the the backside? But yeah. I personally, I'd be surprised if we if we did get a striker because I, I think um, you know I, I know what the club are trying to do. I understand they're trying to save uh, energy of players and rotate and stuff. But I think sometimes with strikers they need to have that run of games mm. i think it can be they very difficult um i mean you, you've got a few like bakiogo scored last year he he came off the bench and was scoring goals but for the majority i think you need to have that run of games to get your fitness and your sharpness and um and we're seeing that with dion charles at the moment you know he scored three and three so uh, i'd be surprised if a striker uh, mm. but if we do sign one i won't be complaining
1: Bakayoko's had a, a funny funny few weeks, hasn't he, as far as as missing big chances, he, he, he was guilty a couple of times, I thought, when he scored five minutes in last night, I thought, here we go, right, so this is going to be a lovely uh, cakewalk of a, of a night, but missing huge chances again last night, did, you know, know world class save, whatever you want to say, he should be scoring from there um, against Plymouth, mm. Um, you know, there's been a couple of occasions where maybe just that little bit of ruthlessness in front of goal hasn't been there. Do you think that might play on Everett's mind?
2: I think, I think it's uh, it is. It's funny that the the deadline is at the end of August because I think it, that will be a case with a lot of managers. Mm. They they'll start the season and think, right, I'm ready, and uh, or maybe one or, we only need one player. 30 days down the line, 31 days down the line, you're suddenly thinking differently. But mm. I, I'm sure, yeah, Back here, it, I, you know, obviously chances, and it, there have been chances at big points in games. You look at the, the Markham chance as well. That we'd won the game, but that could have killed it off and it'd been a lot more, you know, a lot settled into the match. Um, so you have got to... You wonder whether it does, it, you know, it has affected Everett's mind, but you'd, he's picking back Yoga for a reason. He clearly trusts him and he clearly trusts that he will get back to scoring, um, you know, to, to taking those chances at some point.
1: Yeah, I noticed, um, um, I think it might be in the BWFC analysis, one brought up Jay Matete's available on loan from Sunderland as well. He's another player that, for me, maybe ticks a box in, in a bit of cover that Bolton haven't got we've always talked about you know is there a natural replacement for MJ Williams now I think George Thomason last night showed that he can step into that role
2: um,
1: yeah uh, mattete 's a little bit old a little bit more experienced but would you would you go and seek out that player that kind of player a Matete type or would you have faith in Thomason filling that gap
2: I like Thomason I, I think uh, I would have faith in him the only the only reasoning I would have for it is if you're going to then send Thomason out on loan to like a, a League Two side or a lower League One side, and he's going to play 30 odd games this season. But then I know, um, you know, going off what what you've said and what other uh, you know what I've heard that Ian Everett clearly uh, rates George Thomason. he really I likes him, sure. um, so he probably would rather him be. At the training ground with with us and playing in these cup matches, so um, so I would I if if we had the rest of a season where George Thomason was um, MJ Williams is is sort of understudy, then I'd be happy with that because I actually think he's a good player.
1: Yeah, I mean he certainly impressed me last night. I thought he, he got about the pitch. He, he broke up play well. I, but again, you're talking about a, a League Two siding and crew and, and one that had made eight changes as well. I think it's important to, to put that into context a little bit, that Bolton dominated a game against an opponent that was quite ripe there to, to dominate. But no, I, I like Thomason, I like his attitude. I, I do wonder whether or not that time, as you mentioned there, timeout on loan might do him well because he's going to be getting regular games with this you play playing the EFL Cups, you get little bits of, you know, slices of, of uh, substitute uh, appearances. I, I'm not sure how easy it is to come in and, and, and hit the ground running. I mean, he did okay last mm. night, but as the season goes on, maybe it, it becomes a little bit harder to do that. I do find that with with Joel Dixon as well, who I'm, I'm sure we will discuss. Um, uh, <laughs> let's, let's do it now. Let's let's rip the band-aid off, Henry. Um <laughs> Now we we said last last week, and I stand by it. By the way, I think there was a, an overreaction to Joel Dixon's performance in the Carabao Cup. I thought there was a big overreaction. Yes, no question, that third goal very much is his uh, his doing. Um, not brilliant at all. I totally get as well that his confidence when he came out of the team was not brilliant. However, <laughs> I'm not sure that is is it necessarily equates to the. ...to the reaction there has been. Now, obviously, he did himself no favours with the goal last night. Um, yeah, for those who didn't see it, a big cross from the left. Uh, not really, I wouldn't say, uh, picking out a teammate... ...but there was there was a striker in there uh, for Crew. Joel Dixon appeared... It looks like he, he almost walked into trouble... ...but he walked into the back of Owen Toll... ...who... Inadvertently, I think just got in the way and it, it kind of dribbled off the pair of them and, and into the net um, and the keeper just sort of stood there looking a bit apologetic. Now, he didn't do anything else wrong on the night but people will obviously bounce back to that one mistake as they do with goalkeepers and, and obviously, you know, that's what they're judged on. Have we got to the stage where they, they
2: need to seek a replacement? Um, well, we kind of mentioned it last week, didn't mm. we? But, uh <laughs> who What? Who would you bring in? You're either bringing in someone like a Matt Jilks who uh, can then, I don't know, do his coaching badges with us and, and be a, an understudy to Trafford who's got more experience but then you think, well, we've already, I know Matt Jilks doesn't play but he's not going to come in as a goalie coach, is he, whoever this person is? So, that option is... I'm, I'm not sure you're going to convince Jilks to come back out of retirement again either, bless him. I think that'd be Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um. Yet, you, then you're either getting a, a, a another loan in who is not going to play. So I don't think their parent club's going to be too impressed. Um, you you can't really sign someone unless you're saying right. Trafford's our number one this year. We don't think we're going to get him next year. So uh, you stick with us, and then you'll be number one next year. So that could be an option. Alternatively, Luke Hutchinson's been doing well in the uh, in the B team. So sure, maybe yeah. it's yeah. about you thinking well. Is he going to be a number two? Should he be actually be playing in these matches get getting the Papa John's instead of Dixon? And you can sort of train him up. So, yeah, there's, I, I, I don't know if, who to bring in. I mean, in regards to Dixon, I I don't see him being our long-term number one. So, if, if there was an option for somebody to take him on, you'd probably say it's probably best for him that he does that. Um, because you've got to remember as well that most of the time, we don't actually have a number one on the bench. So, Dixon is is literally just there as someone to go and go, while the, the first 11 have shots in the warm-up. So, you wonder, for his mentality, is, is that what he wants?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, of all the options there that you've discussed, I think bringing Luke Hutchinson in on a match day, for me, would be more preferable. Because there's a, better, there's a longer game there, because we've said, as we did last week, Talking about Trafford's long-term futurism with Bolton Wanderers, there's no way on earth it's with Bolton Wanderers. As it looks, at. he's got five years at City. He wants to be number one at City. You would expect that if Bolton, you know, if Bolton were to get promotion this season, I could very well imagine Trafford saying, you know, I would like to stay on at that club. Whether City agree or whether City wants to see him go and expand his horizons, you know, and go abroad, whatever it might be, you know, that's that's. Probably to, to be seen, but I'm sure they're going to want him next season to be playing at a higher level of football so he can develop. He doesn't want to be stuck mm. on a five year contract at City just being loaned out to League One mm. every year. So Bolton have got to have a long term plan, and I think the only long term plan they can have at the moment is to try and develop Hutchinson, who needs game time. Um, at the moment, with the way the B team is, he needs to be at the club because they need a regular number one. Um, do you swap it round and, and have Dixon playing in the B team and and give Hutchinson that little bit of experience whenever decides he wants to to name a keeper on the bench on the occasions that he feels it's warranted it's it's a difficult one i again you know i, I stick my neck out i don't see him bringing in a goalkeeper on deadline day but that is definitely a, a situation that he needs to have a look at and and you know maybe by the time the next transfer window comes around it may be one he has to actually move on because you don't want to be getting into that situation that they found themselves in in his first November where the the goalkeeper, you know, if Trafford were to get an injury, the goalkeeper that you're bringing in has got no confidence and and it's very easy to do. And with the fan base the size of Pogsons, you can get engulfed very quickly in the negativity and the comments and mm. all that kind of stuff. However, however hard you try, it just happens. Um, you know, this, it turns into a huge pile on, and it's a shame that happens. But it just is. That's just the way of the world nowadays. And and at the moment, that's that's where Dixon finds himself. Where, um, you know, there are people out there. I do see trying to give him give him a bit of room and a, a bit of scope. But I think some of the negativity out there really has uh, has started to
2: multiply, especially from Tuesday night. Yeah, um, it is. It, it is a concern because you you it's now. You know, you look at yeah, you look at the last two games, and the, even though I think in the Villa game Dixon made some very good saves, yeah. he also made a mistake, and you could argue the first one was a mistake as well. So um, it's now two in a row. So it's at, the, at this level, even though we do want to progress and get to the final of Papa John's, it's not a big issue. However, yeah, if he doesn't come in for Trafford in the league and he starts making mistakes or the um, the, the defensive line don't trust him, like we saw with Billy C- Crelling all those years ago, uh, then that becomes an issue.
1: I do find it hilarious that people are still still debating the fact that I gave him six out of ten for that filler game. Uh, so, <laughs> one whole week later, there are grown men discussing uh, <laughs> a number. Anyway... <laughs> Ah, dear, 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 dear. Um, right, yeah, I mean, looking at the squad then. So let's, uh, thanks again to uh, to Cameron at uh, BWFC Analysis, because I've basically uh, just stolen your graphic to have a look at this, um, about the bounce of the squad. He's he's very nicely uh, typed it all out and made it all nice and accessible. Um, so in goal, you've got Trafford and Dixon, just discussed that. I think yeah, chances of adding to that, should should they do it? Yes, probably, but will they do it? I doubt you're looking at the centre halves, so your left hand side options now Jack Iredale and George Johnston. In the middle, we saw Owen Toll for the first time the other night. I think he'll be a backup to Santos. I think he'll learn his game behind Santos. Yeah. And then you've got Ameson, who did him. I thought he played quite well, although well, he lost his rag a little bit early on. Um, Ameson and Jones on the right side of the centre half. So there's six players there that can play centre half, not including a, like an MJ Williams who could drop in. W- are you happy with centre back options?
2: Yeah, I thought Toll did very well, and again, you can't really judge him on a, a basically a crew reserve team. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I thought he, he looked composed. He did very well. You could argue that he was part of the goal, you know, the mess that happened there. But I think overall, for a debut, he he looked quite composed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm happy with happy with our defensive options.
1: So the wing backs, the left hand side, we're looking now as as Iredale as a possible. Declan John obviously, and then potentially Owen Beck as well. So there's this three potentials on that left-hand side. On the right-hand side, you have uh, Conor Bradley, Kieran Sadlier, and Lloyd Isgrove as well, who missed out on Tuesday night. Has has that same foot problem, only a minor one that that, uh, that that Ricardo Santos has, and that stopped him playing the other night, which is a shame because he was looking forward to seeing him. But that's three right backs. We said last week, is that one too many? But obviously it's not because he's doubling up on the left as well.
2: Yeah, um, you know, we've, we have got plenty of options. You've got to think, is Grove still getting into the swing of things? So, it may take him a, a month or two to be anywhere near being able to play, you know, a full 90 minutes. Sadly, I saw the other day that he's not only a right wing-back, but also can play behind the strikers. So, yeah, maybe... Um, because, I mean, let's face it, that spot is Bradley's for the season, you know, the way he started. Yeah. So, yeah. to have those options behind him who aren't necessarily fixed right-backs, I think that's that's fine. Because, sadly, he can play there. He's, he's played well. His Grove can. But, ideally, Bradley would play 40-odd games for us this season and, and it would be his position.
1: So, um, I'm a bit of a bit general here with the positioning, but central midfield, let's say. Um, MJ Williams, obviously. George Thomason as the more more defensive types. You have uh, Kyle Dempsey, um, uh, Aaron Morley, uh, Josh Sheehan, and Kieran Lee. Uh, Dempsey probably in a in a, in a kind of a, a league of his own. There, he's more of your number eight up and down kind of type. And then the other three Morley, Lee, and Sheehan more more of your creative types. More maybe even venturing into number ten as uh, like a number ten role as well. Although Morley can sit, uh, Morley and Sheehan can both play deep. There's yeah. a lot of mixture. There's, there's there's a lot of nuance there, and and I know Ian ever often delves into the whole, you know, pivots and eights and all all the all the different technical jargon that he can use to balance out his midfield. But ultimately, it comes to to just trying to find that right blend. Have Bolton got enough there to to say they've got the right blend?
2: I think so. I quite liked Sheehan the other night because he dropped back and picked up. He was getting passes from Dixon, you know, and the edge of the uh, his own area and running forward with it, yeah. so he was kind of picking it up in that position, um, uh, you know, as well. So maybe that's more of a like a that sort of Dempsey kind of role where he's up and down. But um, yeah, I think in mid centre midfield, I mean, Morley's a top top player. Uh, so is Kieran Lee. So you kind of you're happy with that. Um, Sheehan, when he gets back on form, hopefully the injury hasn't took too much out of him, and you can see. See the form that we saw before his injury, um, and then Dempsey's. He's, you know, Dempsey has been a hit and miss so far in his career, a Bolton career. I think he's shown a lot of potential, that he's going to be very good. I think the injuries haven't helped, um, but as we saw in that Wickham game, you know, if he can get in behind the defenders, then he's another option going forward. So, uh, yeah, I think that is a, a, a an area of the pitch that we're very comfortable in.
1: Yeah, you'd expect to see him on Saturday in Charlton, same as same as Morley, probably same as Kieran Lee, considering he didn't play uh, midweek as well. So that'll be interesting. And then, of course, your attacking options now. Dapo Afarin's kind of in a a category of his own, really. Is he a uh, is he number ten? Is he left hand side? Does he play up front? But uh, he's he's there, and I don't think um, he, uh, you, you could even consider a, a world where he's not in the Bolton team. But um, so, the four strikers, as we mentioned, Charles, Bakayoko, Bud and Kachunga. When I look at it on paper, you know, I do think that there's room for another striker. I really do.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe... I guess you'd be looking at a, a sort of a striker that can play in that sort of... I don't know, is it a false nine, like Atholion, you know, where you kind of drop back a little bit? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Atholion's a... He's... The thing with Dapo, Dapo on his day is our best player. There's no doubt about that. And I I like the fact that even when he's playing up front, he's dropping back. He wants the ball. He wants to run forward with it. Um, You know, I'm starting to see a few people sort of argue is is Dapo a bit of a hindrance to us in the structure of the team, which I can kind of understand that. But when he's yeah, when he's playing like he's playing, he's in that position. He will float about. He's that He seems to be an extra player on the pitch because he's not got that settled position. He's just floating about. He'll pick you up on the right, pick you up on the left. Um, and when he's we get back to the form that we know he can do, then um, he, he is a top, top player. So if you take him out and say, well, you're not necessarily an out-and-out striker, you are someone who floats about, then you could argue then that you've got four players for two positions. So, um so yeah we could have someone I mean we've said though Mark like we just want signings signings are exciting and strikers are exciting <laughs> no one gets everyone excited more than a striker so if one turns up today on deadline day then no one's going to turn around and go well we don't need him they're going to be excited
1: listen we've got five top, top top strikers there what we need is a top 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 striker uh, <laughs> of this world uh, a little uh, nod to the exploding heads there um, yeah i when you look at the squad on paper, you know, it's, it's nicely balanced, um, but only Ian Everett will know what he's kind of, the the circumstances where he looks at his bench and, and whatever is missing there. You know, a type of striker maybe he hasn't got, like with this wing-back thing. Being able to rotate John with a, a an attacking left-back. As opposed to Jack Ireland, and actually, I thought he was as as good an attacking player as Bolton had mm. last night. Weirdly enough, but you know, traditionally he is more of a defensive type. He's more of a physical type, and he can play left hand centre half. I think it's impossible to expect him to be all things to all men, Idale, But he's been he's been really impressive for me. I've, I've liked Jack Idale since he came in. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think if I'm going to be forecasting, I think that the left back plus a another for is a a possibility i um i saw chris markham as he left uh, the building last night and and said uh do i do i need to order extra biscuits and and, uh he sort of grinned at me and and gave me a wink so i think there's a there's a there's a possibility they might have one up their sleeve i think and and it could be it could be an interesting one i'll tell you what though before we um before we go on to the more frivolous stuff on transfer deadline day let's just talk about it as a, a rule. I'm, I'm old enough to remember before transfer deadline days, before all this nonsense and who and and glitz and glamour, um, which I think has also died down in the last few years since Jim White did away with his yellow tie and all that sort of stuff. But there's an argument to say that, A, it shouldn't exist at all, but B, why on earth does it impact on the season? Why is it allowed to start bef- after the season has started? So clubs have to spend the first few weeks of the season doing what, what what we're doing with Bolton here? we're rebuilding we're we're almost manufacturing a market of of signings it shouldn't it be done in the summer
2: yes there's an argument for that as someone who enjoys the uh you know the excitement of it then no i think it's <laughs> it's good where it is but um but yeah you, i mean you you could say that but then i, I do personally i think the 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 where you get the first month to kind of look at players and see where you need uh, you know where you need um, extra, you know, players coming in in certain positions. I think helps because I think when you do it as a, uh, as it ends on like the day before, like the Friday before the start of the season, mm. then I, I think you've you've got an argument there for it's it's potluck. You know, it's potluck because you can have a team ready there and think this is going to be my team, and then it's one or two bits don't settle, and then you've got. Suddenly, and then until January to to deal with it. So I can see your point with that. I can see other people's points with it, but personally, I think it's better that it, you do get that first month just to analyse the team and then address it from there. And then if you still don't get it right in September, then unfortunately you're in for a tough season.
1: Yeah, I think I think maybe you know your opinion might be different, or Bolton's opinion might be different. If let's say, for example, you know the the. Afalayan or the Santos interest or if there was doubts on, on big players that would then need immediately replacing. I think if we were going into deadline day with lingering doubts over whether some of the big players would stay um, I think we may well be able to to further that argument about deadline day being uh, mm. being extended. But at the minute it's looking like um, no players out I will say that. I, I did uh, get that um, that kind of stare from Ian Ever. He doesn't expect anybody to leave today and there's space in the squad as well with all the registration numbers and all that kind of stuff that they have to do um f- uh, for, for the various competitions This space to sign players so um could be interesting could be interesting okay right deadline day you know what that means of course from seven o'clock on deadline day i'll be doing transfer deadline day blog um this will be out a matter of hours beforehand, so whatever time of day you are listening to this, make sure in, in the corner on one of your tabs, whatever computer you're, you're on or whatever phone you're on, you've got the transfer deadline day blog for the Bolton News. I guarantee I'll be there from the first minute you wake up to well after you've gone to bed. Uh, clicking away with all the latest rumours, all the latest gossip um, standing up as much as I humanly can do. Also we have um, a press conference with Ian Everett Um, I think it was 3 o'clock on Thursday Um, so we will be able to bring you the absolute latest from the horse's mouth stuff as well Um, so it's going to be a busy day for me
0: Andy Johnson hanging around my second cousin saw him at the training ground. Miguel Veloso signing every time. He just can't ride on the dotted line. Transfer rumors, gossip, consumers. I saw him at the ASDA checkout buying crisps, cheese and onion. Transfer rumors, gossip, consumers. Helicopter in for Cameron Jerome. He just and want to make it his home. Tom Barcusen went on and on, so long the deal was dead and gone. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers. My brother decorated his house, Magnolia mostly. Transfer rumours, gossip consumers, Patrick Cliver. Club. Signing tomorrow. Transfer, rumours, Gossip Consumers. I might have made some of this up.
1: There's there's 10 things, 10 things that you always see on a transfer deadline day at Wanderers. So I'm just gonna take you through them Henry, and get you little little reaction on them. First of first of all, there is a corridor of uncertainty on transfer deadline day we get up, we talk about biscuits, you know, we talk about, we set things up, we, we look at what's happened overnight, maybe a couple of players have been linked, everything's happy, everything's great, up until about 10 o'clock in the morning. And then either side of lunchtime, it becomes, when are we signing somebody? Why haven't we signed somebody? The the pendulum of emotion, it, it's, it's ridiculous, it starts to get tense. And then the the blame starts coming on to me because i'm running a transfer deadline day blog i'm basically just i'm i'm the guy that's running through the the paintball field in a, in a bright pink you know track suit saying shoot me um so yeah uh there's, there's always that do do you do you see your emotions fluctuate on a deadline day or are you always pretty sure that they're going to get something done
2: uh, I'm always pretty relaxed and just enjoying it. But yeah, you do notice that uh, you get the first, your first two hours are always, um, you know, people asking you what biscuits you're having, people doing the joke about the Chelsea loan or the or the Bald or whatever. And then yeah, after ten o'clock, he's like, I think everyone's settled at work. Everyone's settled. They've had the morning meetings or whatever. Then they they think right, I have the tab open, look at it, go. OK, where's our signings then, Mark? Why haven't we signed anyone? Um, I'm, I'm sat here being distracted from work, but I need a signing. Come on, where's the signing? And then, uh, yeah, eventually uh, we, we've basically got to wait until the, the evening anyway to, uh, to get anything. But um, I just out of interest, this corridor of uncertainty, is, is, do we have a corridor of uncertainty at the stadium? Can you pinpoint a certain spot in the stadium where that corridor could be?
1: The corridor of uncertainty uh, would be in the the exit that Elad Juffo always used to manage to find. Whenever, yeah. whenever there was a mix zone going on where players had to walk past you as journalists, Juffi was a master of finding the corridor of uncertainty uh, to find the exit without going anywhere near a journalist. Absolutely crazy, I'm sure. You know, he was like diehard, climbing through vents and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. He was amazing at getting getting out of that place without doing anything. And even even if he did walk past you, he'd make you do the interview in French. Uh, if he was going to stop and do it, so
2: brilliant. Yeah, what a guy. Ah, brilliant, what a guy.
1: What a guy. We miss him. If you're listening, Duffy, you get in touch. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Middlebrook is also home to the lesser-spotted wanderer's signing, of course. And uh, please do let me know if you are sat in Greg's and Peter Odom Wingy walks in to buy a steak bake. I want to know that uh, because that's how we. That's how we gauge how good a transfer deadline day, the more outlandish uh, a Middlebrook rumour. Um, if you have seen Lionel Messi uh, going round and round the beehive roundabout trying to find the turn-off for the Uniball, let me know. That's 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 the kind of rumour that we like to deal in on transfer deadline day. Um, you know how to get in touch by now. Um, you mentioned the Chelsea transfer. That's another, that's another deadline day trope. Uh, Many many moons ago, I'm not going to throw the journalist under the bus of the story, but you know him. Um, mm-hmm. he, he said that Bolton Wanderers were owned, owed rather a loan from Chelsea um, as part of the Gary Cahill deal, and Bolton Wanderers didn't know anything about it. That was the that was the big problem. Um, so for years and years and years, people asked me continuously about this loan. Um, and, and actually, I think they got one. Did they get Kakuta? Was that after P- Cahill? I can't even remember.
2: Oh, that was. It might have been. It might have been just before it. You know, I, I think it know. was the last year of the Premier League, but the first part of it. And Cahill left as we got. Well, we got relegated? That's right. Yeah, not T-
0: he?
2: Yeah, Cahill left. We got relegated, and he won the Champions League. So, um, mm. so yeah, that worked out well for him.
1: 10 years ago. Good grief, how time flies. Uh, But 10 years and the Chelsea loan has still not arrived. Another guy who has still not arrived, Miguel Veloso. At Mm. one point, I wrote a story um, on advice from some very good contacts at Bolton Wanderers that Bolton Wanderers are on the verge of spending £12 million on the the midfielder that was then playing. He was playing at Sporting Lisbon at the time. Gary Megson was going to beat the transfer record with a whopping 12 million quid to bring this midfielder in next morning i got a a, a message left for me not going to happen that's the end of that so uh, but but then it, it carried on and every five minutes he was being relinked he was being relinked he was being relinked i think he's in his mid-30s now i'm not going to completely write it off just in case he never knows his agent and he might just be able to sort of just bring him in on a, a short-term deal if Miguel Veloso is listening and he's, he's wondering what to do with his uh, time, please come in. Um, you, can, uh, you can spend the rest of the season at Wanderers. We don't mind.
2: Yeah, well, he's, I've just checked. He's playing for Verona in Italy. No, oh. uh, He's 36, but he's been there three years and played 77 matches, so he's still got something in him.
1: Yeah, you never know. Never write it off. I'll tell you what we, who we can write off, though. Leroy Lita, I believe. <laughs> I believe that Leroy Lita has retired now. Um, so we may not be able to link uh, to th- and the last time I remember him um, he was playing for Stratford Town
2: <laughs> so oh uh. he's uh, playing for he it looks like he's playing for Hensford Town. He scored six in six though.
1: Oh he's on form. Leroy Lita, the the, the, the rumour survives. Leroy Lita. <laughs> I'm not writing it off. He's the kind of striker wanderers should be looking at, in my opinion. Um if if you if you're worried about it, you can get a memo message from Leroy Lita for a tenner.
2: <laughs> Who's buying that? <laughs>
1: And if I look, I, I might get. Look, when's your birthday? I, I think we might uh, get you one from Leroy Leiter. That'd be a great
2: one. July. If, if in July, next July, if I get a, a, a memo, whatever called message of Leroy Leiter, I don't even think Reading fans are wanting that.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. The other guy, of course, that everybody always asks about on Transfer Deadline Day, number uh, six in my list, Mark Davis. Um, I mean, I don't want to bring us all down because it's such a sad story what happened to him in the end. The injuries caught up with him, but actually celebrate the fact that he was, on his day, one of the best midfielders I've, I've ever uh, been happy enough to to clap eyes on in a Bolton shirt. What a player on yeah. his day.
2: Yeah, he was brilliant. And um, yeah, it's such a shame that his career, it, it went like it did because... Uh, you know as as lucky as we were to have him for so long even though he he never really played that many matches in a season if he'd have played every match in a season for us he he we'd have got two or three years out of him max and then we would have i mean we'd have made a tidy profit on him but uh yeah i think it's i think all bolton fans especially ones who uh you know who who watched him i agree with that and think i mean that centre midfield of holding Mwamba and uh davis obviously all three of them's careers ended too soon, but uh, yeah, what a what a midfield we had then.
1: Certainly was certainly making me yearn. <laughs> What's this? I've, I've got a list here, and it was one I wrote. Uh, I think it might have been the last transfer window. Um, uh, emojis on Twitter. I don't think I've used emojis to to represent a, a, a transfer deal for some time. Actually, I can remember only one person. He he <laughs> of he of musical repute. Um, i wonder what i wonder what he's doing now I wonder if he's released any more music i haven't checked for a while i'm gonna have to check whether Lee Anderson has actually done any more records it would be a shame if he hasn't he, i hope i hope he's uh he's moved on to something more experimental some sort of craft work kind of inspired german uh, techno rock um that would be a, 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 an interesting thing but uh yeah he, he used to he used to tease transfers with uh, with emojis which used to drive me frigging mad i don't know about you
2: uh, no, it was it was it was really exciting for me because as soon as you saw it, you were like, yes, we've got a signing coming. You didn't know when it was going to be, whether it was an hour later or whether it was two weeks later. It just, was coming. Just bear in mind,
1: some of these signings was Chinedu Abasi and and players had. basically basically right, so players yeah, just basically players that he'd said. Right, just get in a taxi, turn up at the training ground and you're going to sign for the club. Nobody else knew, no managers, you know, no secretaries, nobody else knew about these things. It was just random people picked up at the airport. Could have been me, but anyway. Um, <laughs> one thing this time, and this is interesting, uh, we're going to have for the first time a transfer window with no Simon Marland.
2: Yeah, that's, um, you know, he he obviously worked for the club for many, many years, put many, many transfers through. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, to be fair, we have got quite a few through the door without him uh, this summer. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I wonder if he'll be sat watching, looking at your blog, sort of smiling, going, oh, I can imagine the how hectic it is at the uni ball right now.
1: Knowing Simon, he will probably be still there anyway. <laughs> just
2: like,
1: yeah. like reloading the paper tray on the fax machine and, and just making sure everything's, uh, everything's working. But, yeah, it just occurred to me that it was the last, it's the first one that uh, he won't have been in a position as secretary. I wonder... Uh, if that means I might get to bed a bit earlier, it would be nice. Uh, I can remember him leaving me uh, waiting until three o'clock in the morning for Marvin Sordell. At one mm. stage, that was uh, that was an interesting deadline day. Um, and then finally, of course, our last, our last transfer deadline day trope. Um, well, biscuits, biscuits. Mm. And do you know what? I'm going to let you into a little secret here. I don't eat many biscuits.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Uh, this uh, I'm sorry I, I know this is kind of a bit Wizard of Oz um, you know staring behind the curtain and all that I genuinely don't I quite like biscuits but I don't I don't I don't really have them I've got to be honest I've now started to out of obligation buy them on deadline day for props but last de- last deadline day <laughs> I had three packets of biscuits which I'd used in some sort of prop earlier in the day I didn't open them until after I finished the blog and I was going to bed. Um, <laughs> by the way, don't eat biscuits in bed folks it's not, uh, it's not good for marriage um, So <laughs> it, uh, no, I mean I, I don't know I've not decided on my, my biscuit of choice yet I'm still open to uh, bribes if anybody from McVitie's or um, any of the other major biscuit manufacturers tunics, would be nice um, if anybody's yeah. listening then of course I am open to bribes but at the minute I haven't got any I've got none I'm sat wow. here, Wednesday, biscuit-less, and I haven't had biscuits in the house for God knows how long.
2: It's sad, really, isn't it? It is. Well, you did you not do it in your big shop yesterday? We uh, Again, to peer behind the curtain, we did a test of the line uh, yesterday because we've, we've known, as you uh, following Bolton around on their Portuguese training camp uh, will remember, <laughs> uh, we've had some bad experiences trying to record... <laughs> when uh, one of us is abroad so we tested it and you said uh, you were going to do your big shop before the crew match Do you not buy any biscuits there
1: i mean if, if i were to tell you this if i was telling you the story of my big shop it would take another podcast um suffice it to say there was a there was a lot of bickering rather than biscuits and it ended right. up just being um a, a bit a bit brisker than i'd planned so no i didn't get a chance to uh i did buy some broken biscuits in a discount shop in peterborough um, but I left them with my uh, mother and father in law. So unfortunately, uh, they are not with me. Um, I thought I packed them in the back of the car, turns out I haven't. So, hey, such is life. Um, I may have to go out and, and seek replacement biscuits this afternoon on Wednesday and, and surprise people. And I mean, I, I do, I genuinely would like requests. I mean, I'm not just going to eat biscuits on request. <laughs> that sounds like a, a horrible uh, Seven esque type of uh, ordeal. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I I do need. To, I, I I had a. I'm sure I should, should get this sponsored. Surely there's a biscuit manufacturer out there that, that should sponsor this.
2: Yeah, um, I mean if Tunnocks want to, I know it's not their, not their bag with them being Scottish. But uh, yeah, if they, hey, well, I'll be happy for. I'll be happy to get a, a lifetime supply of them. Them caramel Tunnocks biscuits. Mm, yeah, they they're good. very they're, nice. I yeah. mean, whether
1: they're a biscuit or a wafer, I mean.
2: We'll, pro- okay. we'll probably
1: end up filling about 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. with just that that debate. Uh, <laughs> somebody's bound to ask me about Jaffa cakes and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, who knows? Maybe this is the deadline day where I really do turn to the biscuits. Maybe it. Uh, maybe there'll be a huge pile of biscuits waiting for me when I turn up at the, for the press conference tomorrow afternoon. Who knows? Who knows? What I do know, this weekend, uh, Bolton Wanderers, I can be playing Charlton. So let's have some predictions.
0: Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week?
1: Prediction
0: time!
1: Yes, uh, we're going to gaze into the crystal ball. Uh, First of all, first of all, I'm going to ask for your prediction on transfer deadline day. Because this is all about transfer deadline day anyway. So what do you think will happen? How, on a scale of uh, naught being mortified and disappointed and 10 being elated after San Lionel Messi... Where would where would Bolton fans where will Bolton fans finish on the end of the day? Do you
2: think? Um, I think it'd be a six or seven. I think if we only signed Owen back, I think people would be, uh, you know, when people look at the, the sort of diagram of, of who's who we've got in what position, I think people would be overall happy with our business this summer. Um, and and yeah, so I think it's more of a content. So I'm going to say a six or seven.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I'm going to edge towards the seven. I've just got this this sneaky suspicion that uh, that Chris Markman he, and Eva have got a little gem up their sleeve. So I'm going to go up to uh, to a seven. I think um, there is a game, and for people that are listening to this podcast beyond transfer deadline day, I don't want to just date it. Uh, sorry, is, is are you uh, play, playing a tune on some crystal glasses?
2: No, it's we're doing fantasy football. Who's at the door?
1: It's Leroy Lita. here to sing us a song. It's Leroy Leiter.
2: Um, no, it's uh, I think it's someone delivering something. But um, Spanish hey, we, Amazon, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, my wife can deal with that while we talk about our predictions for this weekend. <laughs>
1: Oh dear, dear, dear! Yes, we don't record in a uh, in a modern studio. It's it really is this uh, this unprofessional. Um, Right, Charlton. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they they need a result. Well, they needed a result midweek. They 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 got the goals. You know, maybe didn't take as many chances as they probably should have done midweek. Four one against Crew, but like you said before, all the strikers have scored now. All the strikers are off the mark. Charles particularly looks sharp. They're at home. It's another chance just to show that they should be in that conversation for a top six
0: spot.
2: Yeah, I would. um, I'd say that. I think it's a. I I look at Charlton in. I look at. I think Plymouth away, especially, Mm. and um, you know, Sheffield Wednesday are much better than Charlton. I think Charlton are more sort of a level. They're probably going for seventh and eighth and trying to push into the playoffs that way. I think they're rebuilding uh, quite a bit after a disappointing season last year. So I, I think it's a very good chance for us to get a, a win. I think it's more of a, if we lose, then it's it's not quite a disaster. But suddenly you're looking at three defeats in a row and um, and then two tough away games to come. So I think people might then start to panic a little bit. I think a win is important and if we can get that win and just sort of settle a few nerves, we get over 10 points then, we'll probably push ourselves back into the playoff uh, positions or even just below. And then suddenly people are a bit more optimistic. So, I'm quietly confident. However, I am aware that if we lose then I won't be going on Twitter that night because there'll be a bit of a meltdown.
1: <laughs> I wish I had that option. I, no- I noticed Charlton, <laughs> I mean, they, they, most of their games this season have been very, very tight indeed. I don't think uh, nobody's scored more than one, on, with the exception of them beating Plymouth Argyle 5-1. And Plymouth had had a man sent off, by the way. But uh, every game has been quite tight. So I foresee it being a quite a tight game again. Uh, not too many goals in the game. Um, maybe quite tight, one, well, maybe it's one of those that Bolton have just got to be quite patient. Um, I'm led to believe they're quite a physical side, Charlton, hard-working physical side. So uh, they're going to have to rotate again. Uh, I can see the Dempseys of the Dempsies of this world um, uh, coming back into midfield. Uh, Williams as well, um, maybe adding a bit more steel um, in there. It's just, uh, who do you go with up front? I, I mean, Charles for me is is the starter. Is it Charles and Dapo?
2: Yeah, I would say so. Um, I'd I'd probably say for Bakyoko to get back to coming off the bench, and I know that's not something he wants, but I think they get back to kind of get back to basics of last season, where yeah, I'd have Dapo and Dion. Are uh, I know Varson's not quite fit, but um, in an ideal world, I'd probably have uh, Dion and Bob Um But yeah, Dapo, Dion up front. You've then got. Chunga and uh, back to come off the bench. Um, yeah, and dropping back to midfield, we kind of get what we used to Morley, uh, maybe Kieran Lee again, um, and Williams. Uh, I'll bring Dempsey back in, and then the defense kind of goes to our settled defense, which is Santos, uh, Jones, and um, Johnson. I mean, just a note on Santos for you, he's getting a bit more stick on Saturday. Do you, where do you? Where where are you at with, with that?
1: I think you keep faith with him. I don't. I don't think a couple of games makes him uh, a bad player, or a couple of mistakes makes him a bad player. I think he's still feeling his way to his best form, and you don't do that by dropping him and playing him half the time. Um, I, I do think he's a level above Ameson, um, as a centre half. I'm afraid that's just that's just the way it is. And more importantly, is is much more suited to the way that Ian Everett wants to play the game and. Is not going to change. He's not going to change the way he plays the game. People can bang on about playing direct football all they like. They're not going to do it. Um, and you can say that's stubborn. You can say what the, he believes in the way he wants to play football, and that's the way it's going to be. It, you know, Gary Megson believed in a way of football. Phil Parkinson believed in a way of football. And sometimes it suits people, and sometimes it doesn't. And I appreciate there are people out there that would rather see Bolton. Lumping it up and 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 playing a more um, you know percentages game, but um, you know Ian's he's doing what you know he's built he's built a squad in you know to play a certain way. I don't think it it, it smacks of panic if you start trying to do you know plan plan C. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just out of thin air. So I think that he will he will keep faith and you know li- live and die by that sword. You know, if if the results aren't there, then it, it's his own making, isn't it? That's 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 the way management is. But I don't think it does anybody any good if you start trying to chop and change things. Um, and and particularly with your captain, he's very much made Rico front and centre in in everything he's doing. So I think he's got to he's got to keep faith with him.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think Santos is a very good player and I know that we've had this discussion on previous podcasts that, um, you know, there's a, a section of the fan base that aren't too happy with the way we play, aren't happy that Santos is a sort of a um, the poster boy for that and that playing out the back. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a few that I don't want to say they, they enjoy seeing... Him make mistakes, but I think there's a few that it, they feel justified when uh, when he does. But I think overall, Santos, is a very good player. He's a good defender, and we we're better with him in the team personally. I think than than without. But um, so we'll wait and see. Hopefully, he can get his his confidence back up. I saw the on Tuesday night. He ran out with a, the ball. He came into midfield, mm-hmm. and as I said for the third time, we have said this: it was only cruise reserves, but. <laughs> Uh, it shows he's still got that confidence to do that. So uh yeah we'll we'll see on uh, we'll see on Saturday. I'm quietly confident though. I think I'm gonna go for a two nil.
1: You're going for a two nil. I'm gonna go for a one nil to Wanderers. That's the that's my prediction for this week. We'll uh, we'll see how we get on next week. Um and also I just wanted to ask before we finish, um where do you think Miguel Veloso and Leroy Lead will fit into that team on Saturday against uh against Charlton?
2: Well, I think Veloso is going to be, well, I think he'll be in a role that has him um, in Italy playing for Verona and (laughs) Leroy Lita will probably play just uh, as the target man in Hensford. Uh, I don't know my geography that well of Hensford, so I have no idea where it is, but uh, I'm presuming uh, as uh, Granada don't cover it, it's out of the northwest region. So, yeah, he'll be over there.
1: Sounds pretty southern, doesn't it, to be fair, But uh, uh, We wish we wish Leroy Lita well. Um, if anybody does spot him, though, on Middlebrook, please let me know um, <laughs> because uh, I need to take him off my bingo list. OK, I'm away to start a Transfer Deadline Day blog at 7 o'clock in the morning for no particular reason, but please do join in as early as you can do. Keep in touch throughout the day. I'll be there. I'll be answering your questions. Tweet me, at Mark Iles on Twitter. Email uh, the buff mail at gmail.com or mark.ils at nqnw.co.uk with anything you need to know I will import it onto uh, as normal I'm not going to be answering questions on Twitter individually I'll do as much as I can do but uh, most of it will be there on the blog which will be there for your delight and delectation all day and we can talk biscuits as well um, so until until next week I have been mine's a Bourbon Cream Isles, and I'm
2: Henry BNBN Hewitt.
1: BNBN—is that a Spanish biscuit?
2: No, they BNBNs. Do you not remember BNBN? It was the biscuit with a smiley face and a chocolate in it. Oh,
1: I don't know. I grew up in the eighties. I don't. I
2: don't know. Oh, I, BNBN. Do, I was looking to get. Do, a, do, do.
1: I was looking to get Garibaldi. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> signing out, mm. Garibaldi. This has been the buff.
0: The deadline day clock is still ticking. A packet of biscuits and a brew on deadline day to see you through. A packet of biscuits and a brew on deadline day. Signing who? Never heard of it. Hog Nut Digestives, Oreos, Rich Tea, Jammy Dodgers, Wagon Wheels, Bourbons, custard Creams. The clock is still ticking. A packet of biscuits and a brew On deadline day to see you through A packet of biscuits and a brew On deadline day signing who? Yeah I know him, he scored against us Jaffa Cake, shortbread, Twix and Ginger Nuts, Multi-milk, Kick Cat, Fig Rolls, Chocolate Clubs. The clock is still ticking. A packet of biscuits and a brew on Deadline Day to see you through. A packet of biscuits and a brew on Deadline Day. Signing who? Yeah, his family live on